The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Charlotte Breakdown. Picks, plays, whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here show, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. And on the docket this week is UFC Charlotte, UFC on Fox 27. Um, And this is being recorded Friday afternoon, West Coast time, so in the evening for y'all. I was going to record right after the studio, like I tweeted, but uh, old Dan Tom's stomach needed to eat, and uh, with the with stomach problems I've been having, which don't worry, I'm not going to get into, um, you know, just, just the, uh, uh, the indigestion uh, helps settle it, so uh, I definitely needed to eat, so I did that, and, and in the interim, some news broke, uh, UFC 226, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier for a super fight, yes, it qualifies, and a tough, uh, a tough stint will, will, will accompany, in it, uh, accompany it into the lead-up into July. So it looks like the UFC finally came to the table and paying two deserved champions and a fight that is a super fight. Two guys who I think deserve all the money and praise and pay them whatever, give them whatever the hell they want. But got a lot of mixed emotions, so... Forgive me, this is fresh, uh, while at least this is being recorded, but perhaps not while you're listening. Perhaps you've had more time to digest it than me. Uh, but maybe it's the contrarian in me, but my first thought is the guy who's trumping his chest at... Don't worry, we're going to get to the breakdown shortly. I won't, I won't diatribe too long. But a uh, guy that thumps his chest about too many shows, and okay, you guys want shows every week, but we're going to have weaker shows. And I think that's finally been catching on, I think, in the past six months. Uh, it's been catching on much before that, you know, for people in the know, but even... Within that general bubble or beyond, just the general audience, I think, is starting to pick up that the oversaturation, there might be some causes to it. Or maybe they're not picking that up, but they're, they're, they're seeing the result of it, right? You know, less thick cards, the more, I dare say, boxing model. I hate to say that. I've been trying not to say that for the last oh, decade or so following the sport, hating those comparisons. But boy, have they been coming closer than ever recently. And, um, and yeah, I'm already seeing tweets flow, you know, uh, oh, we're going to suffer for the rest of the year now. And, you know, I, I'm not the only one trumping, thinking, uh, spouting any of this, right? Um, so I guess that's kind of my initial take, you know. And, and it's weird because, again, these guys deserve it. But at the same time, it's it's like it just feels really like they're just kind of out of options, you know. Um, uh, 
shout out to uh, Scott Harris over at Bleacher Report. Uh, his, his tweet probably stuck out the most, and I, I can't even remember it. Forgive me. But essentially, it was all in lines of UFC. It feels like kind of UFC is eating its own flesh. And it's so true, you know, and 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 it's and because it's, it's like you, know, you should have been paying these guys, you know, especially Stipe, who's been pleading for it for a minute now. But now that he clears the umpteenth hurdle, now you guys are finally going to give it to him. And uh, I know I picked against Stipe, and and, and uh, you know I, I'll do a, a brief recap of that, very brief, much more briefer than even this. Uh, but 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 that, that that doesn't mean I don't like. Like I said, this going in, it doesn't mean I don't like Stipe, and I also said this going in that. Doesn't matter what the result the fight is, it's gonna be a lot. Of I told you so, which was why I was, even though sticking by my pick, uh, regrettably going into the fight with it, going, ah, I should have picked the guy I liked, kind of like tonight, which uh, you guys probably aren't listening to this in time because it's probably gonna be going down about a couple hours after this drops. But uh, Lorenz Larkin versus uh, Menifee Maniac, who missed weight, and there's that whole debacle. I'm sure you guys know it's the fifth time. Guy's five nine. He's my height. He should not be missing weight. For 180, much less 170. But anyways, neither here nor there. But uh, yeah, rooting against my pick there, that's for sure. Uh, always rooting for Larkin. But yeah, old contrarian Dan. But anyways, back to what I was saying about the Stipe and, and, and uh, DC fight. More toward the Stipe side, it just feels like, you know, the disgruntled employee goes in and it's like, uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a car salesman deal, you know. It's like, ah, he goes in disgruntled and in need of something, right? And then he leaves with... Uh, you know, uh, they hit him with the package deal, right? Like, like they didn't just sell him a car. You know, they didn't just give him the super fight. But when they were like, oh, for a little extra, we can give you the upgraded version. Uh, you, you need a warranty for that. You know? you know, you need a paycheck leading up to that super fight. And Well, you do want this money, so here's how we're going to meet you in the middle. I know we wouldn't give it to you before, but we're going to give it to you now. But we're also going to require you to do a season of tough for it. But... But you'll get more exposure, and this fits along the lines of what you like, right? Your management wants, right? I mean, you can kind of see, uh, obviously, I'm just, this is all speculation, obviously, that, that poor improvisation. Uh, but is that poor improvisation is just speculation. But, you know, it doesn't take a smart person to read between the lines there of, of, of what the general negotiating lines would be for something like that. So... Again, as much as I'm happy for, for Stipe getting money and DC getting money, and I have to imagine they're happy, otherwise they wouldn't sign it. They're they're very grown, capable, smart men, right? Um, so as much as I'm happy for that, I'm a little torn on what it means for the schedule. Uh, you know, there there's no consolation for the tough thing for me. I, I know I'm not a tough fan. I don't watch any tough unless I have to, and in that case, I go back and watch the fights, not the in-between. Um, so, I mean, you know, it really doesn't... It really doesn't uh, do as much for me as as, as it is, and you know, that being said, I'm, I'm going to be excited. You know, fight fight week, sure. And oh, I'll be excited before that. I'll probably, you know, write some articles on it. We'll see um, more on that to come. But you know, um, I guess that's just my thought. I don't want to. I don't want to wax too much on that. We're already on a tight time. And although as late as Dan Tom's been, this is uh, this is not as late. You know. You, we're getting almost 24 hours before the card there this time, and uh, and uh, in one location instead of two or three. How about that, huh? Yeah, last week's card uh, not great, not great this last year. You know, I was just thinking about it. I kind of stopped tallying. Uh, 2015, 2016, I could say I was healthy in the mid mid 60 percentile to even upper. You know, I would argue 68, and then uh, old Dan Tom uh, dropped that algorithm project on mixed martial analysts stopped. 
tracking picks, I mean, well, the picks are always up there, so they're there forever. That's kind of my my defense too is the fact that well, I'm not a you, know, you guys know you guys know, you guys know my gig even from back then. Uh, everything was just kind of kind of kind of free and open, and and, and everything was there, so. Uh, I was accountable, you know, either way. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did pretty well. And, you know, 60% that sounds like shit. Like, trust me, if you're doing full card picks and something crazy like MMA, that's actually not, not, not too shabby. But, yeah, it's been bad. Uh, it's been bad this year and recently. And uh, and don't get me wrong, a lot of these, a lot, a lot of the cards I do bad on, you'll kind of look around and like, okay, you know, even though most people don't really post their picks, which is fine. Um, but it's one of those things where if you know you, you see who people was picking because they, they they tweet it beforehand and generally it's like oh, okay it's one of those nights where yeah I know I wasn't the only person but as the great gorgeous George my co-host said he quoted oh what did he do? he quoted oh yeah Untouchables and I don't know the line because I, I haven't seen the movie in a minute I know rare right but uh, something along the lines of uh, Sean Connery saying you do your job and that's all you you can do and. Uh, and that's true, and really, that's all I do do. Because truth be told, when when it comes, it's crazy, it's tired, or whatever's going on, dude, come come the fight card. I'm a fan, just like any of you guys, man. That's that's what that's all I am at the end of the day. I know, yeah, media now. I shouldn't say that, but that's that's the fucking truth. Uh, I'm a fan, so you know. Um, cheers to that. We went five and six on picks, two and zero oh parlay pieces, and then of course zero oh and one in the one straight play, and zero oh and one in the one parlay piece. Uh, Bellator 192, uh, and the picks that I did do went one and two. Uh, Roy over Lima by the skin of his teeth. Uh, you guys know what happened there. You don't need me to recap that. Chael versus Jackson. Uh, surprising, but is anything surprising in Bellator? You don't need me to recap that. And on that note, yes, all right, it is breakdown time. Just under the maybe 10-minute line. I'm probably not, actually, because I, I used an extra long intro song. By the way, did you like that intro song? You know, we're down south for USC Charlotte, the car that I'm about to jump into now. I figured, well, why not some southern rock? So that was uh, that was my morning jacket. That's right. Uh, my morning jacket. Uh, boy, and I don't even have the song. I'm going to look it up right here. Jim Jane's, is, it was the... Uh, Vocalist, very very good. I have never been to North Carolina, but I've been to the South a couple times. Tennessee a couple times. Uh, Bonnaroo in 2006. Uh, big music festival for, for the un- uninformed. And uh, that's when I was introduced to the band uh, you heard on, on the way in. One Big Holiday. There we go. That was the song. And uh, great, great, great little Southern rocking. As you can tell if you've been listening. We're on episode 70 now. Dan Tom's got a bit of a selection of songs, but that is not what we were talking about. We were talking about UFC on Fox 27 starting on Fight Pass. I don't, I want to say, <laughs> I keep saying Will Arnett every time I've, I've come across Arnett just uh, in my in my studies because usually it's, it's last name first. But yes, Austin Arnett versus Cody Sanhagen. You probably know Austin Arnett more than you know Cody Sanhagen um, because Austin Arnett was in Dana White Contender Series. And he recently fought, uh, or he fought there, I should say, uh, Brandon Davis, who uh, debuted on the last card. So uh, if you didn't watch Dana White Contender Series, or if you're just a, a film nut that studies tape, that's why, why, probably why you listen to this podcast, then you, you probably came across him in your tape study. Uh, versus it's Cody Sanhagen, yes. Um, Sanhagen is the favorite. I'll pull up lines here, and deservedly so. Uh, I like Austin Arnett's style. You know, I, I got a soft spot. Yeah, he's not a Kempo karate guy like myself. He's more of a Shotokan karate, which kind of makes sense because he doesn't have that in and out footwork. I talk about different karate styles, right? And and 
And uh, not, not to be any braggadocious or anything, but again, I travel the world, spending a large portion of my life dedicated to, to that style that uh, very familiar with it. Not as familiar with the other ones, though, and I'll be the, I'll be the first to say it. And Shotokan is one of them, but I, I, I can give you the layman's outline of, of that style. And it's just essentially just more of a power-based karate style. And, you know, there's no biological free, free, uh, free lunch in athletics, martial arts, or traditional martial arts like karate. So you're going to sacrifice a little bit of speed. You're going to sacrifice a little bit of movement. Their stances are going to be a little bit lower if you look at their forms. You know, everything's a little more emphatic, all right? And uh, that's not how this guy strikes. That, 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 that's more of an exaggeration on the style. But he does mix in his kickboxing experience and he has other experience i believe boxing a little bit of boxing as well uh and it does show you know he, he knows angles and straight he throws straight punches and whatnot uh but as far as the karate goes he does have the pull and return sensibilities because that is inherent in a lot of the karate stylings um but again it's not the footwork and the the speed in the same style to supplement that so his draws are a little bit more um, are a little bit more inviting. And I think this has to do with his personality too because just the way he stalks in general is inviting. So he, he, he takes he takes some damage in his fights. And he makes for exciting fights and he's a talented kid. So largely he's able to get away with it. But against Sanhagen, I'm not sure. Sur- not so sure. Uh, Sanhagen, speaking of karate guys, you know, it's not listed on there. Uh, he's got some uh, amateur kickboxing experience. I should say accolades uh, in, in championships as far as amateur kickboxing goes for what that's worth. I know. Not as big as it sounds, but it is worth something. And uh, but he almost reminds me of those upstate karate guys. He almost reminds me of a Kempo karate guys in the sense of his in and out and shifting. But you know, doing research, trains elevation fight team. Uh, I don't, I don't know how closely with Dwayne Bang, but association with all those guys, Eastern Jiu Jitsu, a couple other gyms around town. And uh, regardless where he gets it from, um, it, it, it's it's really nice uh, stand stand shifting work, and he can, you know, come forward with it. He can counter. He can pull, uh, return. Uh, he has really serviceable wrestling. It looks like when, like like one of those guys like he has natural wrestling, just doesn't use it at least more recently. In his recent fights, he's been getting more into throwing his hands. And uh, by the way, the number Sanhagen minus two twenty. It did get bet up. I don't think it was open that high. And then plus one eighty on Austin Arnett. Um, I want to say Sanhagen is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I know he, I think he opened, uh, I, I don't have his record in front of me. I just have some lines in front of me. I, I know he, I think he opened his record by, uh, two submission wins there though. But, you know, again, he, he when you look, look at the progression, it just seems like he's, you know, the, the three year, three fights and then the clips I found outside of that. Cause there wasn't a lot, obviously these, these lesser known guys going to be smaller sample size. But just the feel I get, it's got a guy that's coming into his own. And again, that's going to happen maybe a little earlier because of said prior martial arts experience. Uh, I'm excited to see more. I'm, I'm not, uh, not going to lay the, the minus 220. If it was lower and you did, I guess I don't blame you. Uh, fucking why not, D-Gen, right? Yay, cheers to that. I can't drink, so cheers on, on that behalf. Um, but yeah, uh, so he, he he's the pick. But... um. Yeah, not not on the avoid list or anything like that. Oh, Sanhagen is a DraftKings pick. That's what I was looking for. Uh, you know, kind of like I write in the write-up, uh, it's on MMAJunkie.com. Again, if you haven't caught on by now with the schedule, that drops on Fridays. It was Saturday last week. Last week was kind of a shitstorm of a week. 
Uh, getting into the doctor on Monday, though, which is good. Can't wait. But anyways, um, but yeah, usually on Fridays, and that is the article, the betting article that I go by, as well as my breakdown and picks, of course, which are also at MMAJunkie.com. And we go by here on this here show. All right, next fight, Nico Price, George Sullivan, headlining fight pass. Uh, minus 320, Nico Price. He definitely got pushed up there. I want to say he opened uh, around minus 200. <clears throat> Again, I don't have that in front of me either. I'm such a prepared host. And plus 260s come back on Sully. George Sullivan. George. Tell me, George, where have you been? Ah, uh, sorry. I was drinking water. That's not where George Sullivan was. I was drinking water. George Sullivan was on a USADA suspension from a, a prohibited substance that he asked a question slash turned himself in for. Anyways, regardless of your feelings on that or USADA in general, that can't be good, right? You know, um, the guys the guys getting older in age, uh, which again, I don't have in front of me. I'm actually going to start pulling this stuff up. So forgive the clicks. But, um, you know, two years off, um, not a big names, but deceptively experienced on the regional scene. Longtime training partner, guys like Pellegrino and a lot of the those Jersey guys. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, uh, even in the fights that he lost, were, were entertaining. You know, um, my man Hal. By the way, shout out to uh, to to Hal. He's got yeah some dogs. He's com- confident on and. Uh, I think Sullivan was one of them. He felt that he was disrespected, as House says. Um, and, and you know, I'm careful about throwing that word disrespect uh, around, but, uh, but, 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 you know, I, I see what he's saying. You know, so often we're, we're so quick to count out these older, more experienced guys, and we're so quick to to pump up the the younger guys, right? That was the mistake me, many made last week, and you, many, me, all of us have made many of weeks. So. Um, by the way, Stipe fans, who hurt you? Who hurt you? I swear to God, I didn't even pick Stipe, and I feel like I'm way more happier for Stipe this week than his fans are. They're just out with a vengeance from what it sounds like. <laughs> Not just my experiences, mind you. Anyways, neither here nor there. But back to Hal's point, and that's, you know, it's, it's a really good point. And, and shout out to Hal, who's going to be at UFC Charlotte this week. I think he's going to be out there with, of course, North Carolina native. Uh, the internet sensation, Noah Hubs, Buffalo Blue, and I believe Showtime from Tennessee is going to meet out there. Anyway, shout out to you guys, Junkie Nation, and whoever is meeting out there. Of course, Silverback, too. That's right, Silverback, Special Forces Silverback. My friend from my military trip out um, last time I was down south in Virginia. Be out there. Don't hurt nobody, Silverback. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, sorry, I, I digress there. But, but, but yeah, in that sense. But at the same time... Um, I think this is a price Nico Price should, uh, should. I think this is a fight Nico Price should should win, but his price is is beyond me for playable. If uh, you're part of the reason why it's up and you played him, then good luck to you. I don't blame you. Um, you know these spots. If you're just going by the numbers, again, we are quick to do what I just said. Yes, yeah, that is all true. But by the numbers, you know, layoffs over a year. Um, these things like that, they do kind of have their have their ways about them. And it's a do-or-die fight. And in that do-or-die fight, I two-side with Nico Price. So again, Price is out of range, but wasn't out of range for me on DraftKings. So I took him there as my second highest price guy at 9,000. Um, 
aside from uh, Sanhagen, everybody on my DraftKings, I'm going for hit as or finishes or wrestle finishers or something like that. So th- those are my, I know, surprise, surprise, that's what you're supposed to go for, Dan. Shut up. All right, all right, relax. I'm going to the next fight. All right, next fight. Uh, I think it's Vink Pichel, Vince Pichel, Vince from Hell Pichel versus Joaquim Silva, Neto BJJ, multiple nicknames, multiple Nettos, multiple BJJs. Let's keep the confusing partetes, Brazilians. Yeah, that guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that is the next fight. Uh, this is, this, the line's right, you know, pick him. Uh, is it still pick him? It probably is. See anybody shifting in either way? Yep, still minus one ten, as it should be, and as that is why it is on my fights to avoid list on the same betting breakdown and fantasy uh, guard article I referenced earlier. It's right, Chuck. Hand ready, hand ready. Um, you know, it was easy to again, perfect example. Easy to play the numbers. Older guy returning off a layoff. Let's take Damian Brown, man. It's fucking prison guard veteran guy. And, uh, seen some shit, and I mean that with all respect and truth. You, you know, I, I respect the shit out of that guy. Um, fan of Damian Brown, but you know, you know, uh, but I don't know if that's what's blinding me because I don't, you know, I don't know if he's the favorite, but uh, I believe, you know, I wasn't the only person on him. And uh, man, you just, you again, you get proven wrong there. Vince Pichel comes out and just boom, finds the uppercut in the first round, and uh, real interesting story. And as, even though he's got quirky, crazy-sounding dude, uh, I can't help but root for a guy who just, you know, again, like, as much as I'm now experiencing the the blunt end of it, being the media, uh, as far as chips on fighters' shoulders go, which is not fun, you know, where it's like you'd be a fighter that you love, you picked against, and you're praising, and they still find a way to take what you said personal. (laughs) And every everyone in the media has some, you know, multiple, I should say, you know, stories of that. But coming from that side of things, I know Dan, Dan Tom doesn't look like it, and, and that that's definitely got to change with this health stuff. I believe you, me, believe you, me. That's fucking changing right now. But um, I understand that because I'm the same way. I'm wired the same way. That's how Dan Thomas got behind this microphone because I had a fucking chip on my shoulder, and they kept getting bigger. And I, I I ran out of ways to express it because, I, and, and you know, I'm not not the most athletic or, or was the most talented, you know, martial artist by dedicating your life to it doesn't mean doesn't make you talented. Sorry to say, the world's not fair, and I had to find another way to 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 participate in, in the thing I'm so passionate about and love. So I understand that, and I will always respect that, even if again I'm on the blunt end of it, even if it's unfairly, I would fucking shut my mouth and give them that respect. Because A, they deserve it. And B, I understand. Whether it's right or not, I understand. And I think that's something important in the world. We're so quick to my team versus your team. The hence aforementioned, I think this deep in Ngano argument kind of shows that, right? Whether you buy into the racial intentions or you're like me and you're just essentially judging it off of the face value of the ugly, <laughs> the ugliness it brings out in, 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 in people. And it's like, relax, just fucking... Can we just enjoy what we just saw? Jesus. But... um. You know, uh, we, we we get we get to the we get to this point anyway. Sorry, I, I, I'm digressing there. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, a guy, a guy that yeah, a guy that feels you know uh, Vince Michelle, a guy that feels you know abandoned and, and just you know, life deals him a crappy hand, and he has to kind of pick himself up from injury and personal relationships. People even like that's 
that's you know aside from you know the fighting and being a badass part that's their dumb story right so i can't help but relate to that maybe that's why i sided with them because if i'm being honest my better instincts probably said to pick the undefeated guy the more polished guy the guy with a higher ceiling which is true it's more technically polished got a higher ceiling than that bjj joaquin silva does you know the the, the rafael dos años 3.0 or 2.0 uh, as far as looks go, I don't want to say skill because Rafael Dos Anjos is making his own 2.0 and Rafael Dos Anjos' 1.0 could could beat this guy, um, most likely. But, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But, again, that's why the line is close. That's why it's on my avoid list. I already spent too much time talking. Uh, late enough as it is. Onward uh, to, uh, that's right, Justine Keish, minus 270 favorite, plus 230, Ji-Yong Kim. Uh, this too on the FS portion of Zepri Limbs. Uh, Justin Keish, that's right. She for minus 280 is the weakest link. No. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it actually went, went lower. Minus 270 now. Well, when I did my article uh, last night slash the wee hours, <coughs> uh, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Minus 280. And no matter. That was the uh, lone parlay piece because the two obvious picks, which I'll get to, were, were, were obviously inflated. This is the kind of one I felt uh, safest with. You know, Justine Keish, say what you will about her shedding the bed, uh, but she, or shedding the mat, but she will fight for your money. You know, look at the, the way she fought out of the choke. And again, if you, you listen to my breakdown or, 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 or others, or just go watch her fights, you'll see that in, in her past fights. Um, sure, her Muay Thai looks sloppy uh, and kind of wilder than it should be for somebody with that many uh, amateur uh, fights and, and, and outside and, and even professional, I believe. Um, but you know, her grappling, her scrambles are insane, uh, and she and it's not just her scrambles; it's the way she bridges. You know, and I feel bad bringing it up because I the ironic part is again, go go listen to before her last fight, this year's show. I don't know which episode it was, but. Um, I talk about her bridges and how it's so powerful. I even I even compare her to, well, uh, kind of unkindly and and uh, and uh, <laughs> to I compare her to Reagan from The Exorcist, the nineteen seventy one film Merrick Merrick. <laughs> She just looks like a fucking demon when she goes in the octagon without her makeup and then gets beaten and bloodied up on. And she just looks like a fucking demon. And I mean that with all due respect. You know, you got to be funny, but you also want to be kinder to the ladies. And by the way, I would totally take Justine Keish out for a sushi dinner or a fucking, look like, what, here's your Asian Dan? Well, whatever. I would take her out for dinner. Like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you know what I'm saying. Merrick. Anyways, but she bridges like uh, Reagan does when Reagan's going down the stairs and throwing up. And I reference that scene, and then sure enough, she goes out there uh, against Felice Herrick, who I ended up, even though I'm, I'm, I'm defending how good Justine Keish is, I, I, despite defending how good Justine Keish is, I picked Herrick because Herrick's a really underrated grappling. And something I, I say in my breakdowns with her all the time is her half guard and the way she... She, you know, she'll wait for her opponents to bridge and go to mount. I said, that's going to be the real interesting key here. And sure enough, it was a key where she bridges, you know, she, you know, Harry goes to, to, to secure and get kind of deeper into the mount. And of course, Keish goes to your usual bridge out and scramble because it works almost 99.9% of the time. But Harry's so strong and so technical that she's able to keep position. And that's when the shat happened. Um, so oddly enough, so. 
Damn, are you really trying to pat yourself on the back for Esther's reference on the expense of Justin Key shitting herself? Maybe I am. All right, maybe I am. Can I have my moment? Can I have my moment? I'm just kidding. Sorry, but but against against Ji Young Kim, she'll be facing a a a a, uh, a tough Korean fighter. Um, I didn't have to look at the country of origin. I just saw Kim. You know, more more Kims than a Korean phone book. However, that joke goes. Very tough. A um, lot of different martial arts experience in the background, but it's like really suspect whenever like, you know, whether not just females, but even like Russian dudes, even to a certain extent, depending what it says, like when it starts listing like a bunch of stuff, you start going, okay, wait a minute, you know, or countries that don't have wrestling, I should say, maybe Russia was a good, good example, um, but uh, countries that don't have a wrestling base, like, oh, this person was a wrestling da 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 da, and I'm like, how do I take that? I didn't even know that, that country had a wrestling program. What, you know, what am I getting here? What kind of happy meal? What kind of toy comes in this Happy Meal? Um, but Ji Young Kim, you know, a little more boxing-centric. Can counter, can come forward. You know, she's competent. You know, she's ranked in jiu-jitsu, I believe, blue, purple belt. She's competent, you know, inside of a scramble. She knows how to take it back, and she knows how to finish from there, okay? Um, in theory, could she do that against a wild fighter? Sure, but again, as I explained with the scrambles, there's very few fighters that I'm going to pit against Justine Keish in a scramble. And that's ultimately what I see here. I see her outworking, outworking and hustling her on the feet in the scramble and in transition um, and in transition uh, to get the win. So that is the lone Pale piece. All right, next fight, Juliana Lima versus Random Marcos. Uh, this isn't on any list. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that sounds like a dick move. But you essentially know what you're getting with Juliana Jutai Lima. Uh, you know, she's got your you know kind of typical... Uh, stalking uh, Brazilian Muay Thai style is going to fling hooks and kicks. Uh, it's going to get pushed into the fence because that's the way to go against her because you know she's got jiu-jitsu. She's ranked in jiu-jitsu. I think she's ready to be a black belt, but if she is, it's one of those where it's like, I'm, I'm not seeing it in your performances. You know, which, you know, they always say there's levels of Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, and we usually mention that when we're talking about a really good one. And while there's others... There's an opposite to that spectrum, right? Anyways, I'm not saying that's her, but I'm just saying I don't, I don't see it as a huge threat here uh, for Marcos, who I see being able to take this fight to the ground, probably wanting to at least push against the fence, which she kind of does anyways. And regardless, it'll be in her back pocket because Marcos's stand-up actually has improved. I was a little worried with her camp jumping for a period there. You know, she was jumping around a bit, and then she went, tried changing things, went to TriStar, back down to Michigan top team. Um, title boxing or something and then anyways I, I, you know uh, I believe she stayed with the Michigan top team gosh I, was, I actually looked at her did an Instagram study but it was just a couple days ago now so I, I can't even remember um, but but yeah I mean sure, more importantly her stand-ups improve you know behind the jab takes the low stance to dictate whether or not she's going to be the one getting the takedown and hedge her bets on defending it you know she's doing some some good things there Lost a close fight her last time out. Not a bad thing. Um, I might have actually picked her, actually. Uh, but, but yeah, uh, you know, see if she learns from her mistakes there. You know, you don't know. She was really inconsistent earlier. I like to think she's turning a corner. I don't think there's a high ceiling on that corner. Again, I don't want to, you know, overly critique someone's skill and be rude and bring in things like age and ceilings. But, but yeah, I mean, but, but, but for what it's worth, I do, in her defense, think she, she's... She's turned somewhat a corner, and I think it'll be enough here to edge out rounds against Juta Lima. All right, next fight. Mara Romero Borella versus Caitlin Chukagian. 
Chukaki. Oh, Dan, don't say that. That's mean. Jesus Christ, Dan. Uh, I haven't gotten a lot of sleep, so my inner dialogue's not really working, so probably going to slip here or there. All right. Marmara Marmara Barella is plus 130. is minus 150, and I'm a big fan of the blonde fighter. I'm, you know, again, I preach it all the time. Girls that are durable, well-rounded, can transition, throw volume, um, and can not be easily discouraged, can go a long way in these divisions. And and Caitlin Chukagian is that. Overly estimated her by playing her against Carmouche. You know, Carmouche has been inconsistent at times. Showed up for that one for sure. And, um, and Chukagian still almost came back behind a deficit. So she definitely fought her ass off, wasn't discouraged, shouldn't be discouraged. She's young. She's a... Supposed to be making those mistakes, I guess, right? But the question is, will she learn from them? So that is going to be the question heading into this one because Mara Romero Barella um, is better than you would think an Italian fighter, a female, an Italian female fighter, if we're going to play stereotypes, much better than you would think, I, I assure you. Um, not a lot to watch on her, but if you go and take the time to watch it, uh, you will be pleasantly surprised in the sense of, you know, she could throw some one-twos on the feet, uh, she shows improvements from the little footage that there is as far as, you know, the smoothness is going in and out, you know, very athletic. Um, even though the technic, the technical savvy isn't there, I don't think there's going to be a natural stiffness to the athleticism that's going to hold her back like a lot of females or grapplers, but grappling is her strength. She used to teach judo in Italy and is ranked in judo and jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty physical force in there. Pretty pretty solid technique, tight pressure passer. Um, and likes to stay tight for her takedowns. Works well from the body lock. Gets good, gets good trips. She's got long legs for those trips. That's something to watch out for if she does get in a, any kind of clinch. Uh, I got to imagine her shots getting better. You don't see it that often. I think maybe even like only like once in her three-round Invicta fight. And I don't even, I'm not even sure if she completed it. But she's athletic as all hell, and she's training at American Top Team with a bunch of talented ladies. Uh, and then I, I believe, and I didn't realize it, but translating for her, I believe, was Marcos de Mata, who's the, one of the main jiu-jitsu guys there. Um, kind of, I don't want to say post-laborio, but, you know, well, maybe post-laborio, maybe he's not there anymore. Anyways, but yeah, uh, he's one of the main jiu-jitsu guys there at American Top Team, nonetheless. Uh, and he's he's really good, real talented cat. If you go look up his videos and, and, and his background... Um, so I got to imagine he's working tight with her being an Italian speaker. Uh, so it's going to be dangerous. So I was really looking at Chukagan considering her for a, a straight play, straight play or something like that blind, but then looking more into it, not worth it. It's a wait and see for both girls. Both girls have a lot of promise. And again, these physical girls too can go a long way and kind of outdo the veterans or maybe even the volume girls if they're physical and kind of the grappling sense. These Ketlin Vieras, he's come out of nowhere where they're raw, but they've got that physicalness, right? And and, and Mara Romero Borella definitely has that. So um, she's live, but Caitlin Chukagan's a pick. All right, next, uh, Mirsa Bektig, minus 600. Godofredo Pepe is... Plus 450. Man, I almost think I might sprinkle on Pepe because, like, I ain't even going to touch Bektik. I was actually thinking about using Pepe if I needed extra room on the roster because he's so low. I believe he might even be the lowest. But this is a wait and see. Uh, it'd be interesting because Bektik, you know, 
I eased up on the hype. I think even it's the number on the Elkins fight made me ease up on the hype. And then, of course, the fight itself made everybody ease on the hype, including me even more so, right? Um, but, it, 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 you know, regardless if you want to buy the hype or not, or if you have a healthy perspective on it, like I like to think I try to have, um, it is good to see that Mirsad went up to TriStar. Um, you know, the comparisons to GSP were always there with the style for one, so it seems like a no-brainer there. And two, if there is chin issues, you want to preserve that, right? You want to utilize the athletic and the technical skill and preserve the chin. Holy shit. Perfect pairing. And not even just TriStar. Um, I can't think of the boxer's name or the boxing coach's name. But uh, up there in Montreal, I believe. But uh, he's been doing a lot of work at a boxing gym up there, too, as well. Again, strengthen in boxing that feels head movement, transition game. You see how GSP uses it. You got to imagine your side is going to use it the same way. But is he going to really be setting up takedowns in this fight? I mean, obviously, the boxing is going to help him on the feet, I guess. But for wild things, though, that Pepe throws, you know, is, you know, how does that work if he's forced to stand? Because he, I don't think he's going to want to go to Pepe, the ground with Pepe, at least not in the first round, right? The second round and third, it'll be a lot safer. Um, I think Mirsad can can hold his own uh, then, but the first, no. But then again, so what does that mean? You got to stand with him in the first when his punches are the most potent, when he's the most accurate, when his reflexes are the freshest. Uh, and I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not a, a, a you know a Pepe guy uh, or anything to be to be honest. Uh, I, I barely bet the guy. You know, I know, I know, I know, I know it could be a, be he'd be a popular dog choice there, but. I'm not even one of those guys, but even I'm scared of Pepe in this matchup if I'm Mirsad Bektik or Mirsad Bektik better. Uh, so for that reason, I stayed away, motherfucker. Just one of those days. It's all about the Dan, don't sing this biscuit for your fucking audience. Sorry. Sorry about that. It's, it's not even late. It's just Dan. Dan. Dan has it. It's late. It's actually late for me right now because I've been like falling asleep by like 4 p.m. around the showtime. Oh, it's about 4 p.m. right now, actually, Pacific time. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, and I wake up at like uh, 11 p.m. or midnight, and then I work all the way till showtime. <laughs> That's just the way my body's been working. And since my stomach won't allow me to have coffee, I cannot fight them afternoon lulls. They put me to sleep, just like Pepe is going to be trying to put Mirsad back to sleep. All right, last fight on the prelims is... Also, the third fight... Oh, yeah, Bektik and Pepe was on the fights to avoid for that reason. Uh, is the third fight on the avoid list, Coke versus Green. I swayed back and forth. Um, again, back to my man, Hal. He was, he, he's big on Eric Coke, and I don't blame him. I wanted to pick Coke, and I'm probably going to be kicking myself for not siding with the Southpaw, which has been a theme with a lot of my headline and co-headline picks for the MMA fights this weekend. But uh, essentially, it comes down to this. The reason why I picked Bobby Green is because... Bobby Green, though he, I don't, I think we've already seen the best of him. Sadly, I, I, I think it's only going to be a steady decline here, here, uh, here. We, we, you know, a lot of arguments and sample sizes. You could suggest that not a lot, actually, there's not a lot, which makes it hard to commit. But the sample size that there is could suggest that he's already started the decline. Sure, I'm not arguing any of those things, but Bobby Green is still a really good defensive wrestler. Always an underrated defensive wrestler. Uh, he's tough and he's durable. He had the point to quit in his Lando Venado fight, regardless of whether you thought he won or it should have been a draw or he should have lost. doesn't matter if you thought any of those three opinions. He showed his fighting spirit. But more importantly, essentially the reason why I picked him is because not only can he defend the takedown, but part of the reason 
that plays into it, and I mentioned it, is because Bobby Green can get guys to fight his fight. You know, uh, whether he's trash talking, which is the obvious thing, or even when he's not. You know, granted, Vanana's a reckless guy that might have exchanged with him anyways, but you see it in other fights too where he's not as heavy on the trash talking and he's still getting guys to fight his fight. And because it's that style where you're like, how is he, you know, not getting kicked on the legs more, which he does, and that could be a problem here uh, that uh, Coke is going to need to do and could do, and I would not be surprised if he does. Why isn't he getting head kicked anymore? Well, he does get head kicked. You know, he's got a good chin, thankfully, for him for the most part. But, yeah, go watch the Edson Barbosa fight and other fights. Like, he gets he gets taxed for these slipping. But he's so tough, so resilient, and it's so inviting, that he, and he knows it's inviting, that it makes guys come at him. And so even though there are those times where he's going to slip and eat shit, right, he's also going to take, roll with the shots, and counter them back. So they're getting hit back, which fucks with them, annoys them, even hurts them. And then also the psychological effect of not only did I just get countered, I'm hitting this target that's right there asking to be hit, and I keep hitting it, and he just keeps countering me and taking the shots and talking shit like it doesn't hurt. And we all, you know, detractors and the Diaz brothers say the same thing, but there is a method to the madness, whether you like them or whether you like it or not. There's a method to that madness. And uh, that's the same with Bobby Green. And Eric Koch, his traditional foil, even as of late in his last fight with Guida, is you see it, he has a propensity to fight his opponent's fight or fight not the proper fight that he needs to be doing. He can easily be lulled in it. You know, I think Eric Koch has that gear because he just loves fighting. He's a talented kid. He's a badass, man. I, I like Eric Koch. I feel bad that I keep going against Rufus Sport. It feels like I hate Rufus Sport with my picks, but I actually really like them uh, just for the Muay Thai and Taekwondo traditional martial arts um, karate bases that they mix in. That's like up my alley, you know? Uh, I love those guys, but not, I mean, not really. I don't know them, obviously, but you know what I'm saying. I, I really appreciate and respect uh, what they do, what they produce. Um for that part. Um, but yeah, uh, but, 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 you know, he does that even in the Shane Campbell fight, which should have been a nod now that in retrospect, hindsight being 2020 and that's, and then he, that's a fight he won. So, you know, that's what I'm saying is even in fights that Shane's won, he's done this where, you know, he's, 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 he's doing well, on, you know, um, on, on the feet and then he goes for a takedown or, you know, when he doesn't need to, you're like, well, why are we doing that? You're doing so well. He had him hurt and then he takes him down. Well, what's going on there? You know, and make it, you know, and he ends up winning the fight, and it's fine. He actually ends up, you know, finishing him on the ground. Uh, maybe that's not the exact example uh, that I'm recalling in my head, but there is an example there as far as the clinch goes. I, I do remember where there was a certain time where he, he wasn't really called for, and he'll just he'll just do that. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard. Who shows up to this one, right? Um, I don't blame you for taking the shot on Coke. My pick is a reluctant one on Green. It's on the avoid list all right on that beat we're going to take a very quick break and when we come back it's going to be the main card quick four fights and we will get the fuck out of here right here on the protect your neck podcast thanks for staying with me Get 
Right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for UFC Charlotte's main card breakdown. First fight on the main card, kicking it off in what could have been the lightweight division, depending on what part of his careers these guys were, but it is in the welterweight division. We have Frank Camacho, plus 140 underdog, Drew Dober, minus 160 favorite. Um, yeah, I, I, I took uh, Dober in this fight. Um, Reluctantly, because again, you know, both guys take more damage than they should. But Camacho, despite being the more veteran guy, does not seem to be changing those things uh, from damage on the feet. Um, even in the way he scrambles. Like, I'm a fan of turtling and tripoding, but he'll just tripod too long. And for, for a beat too long, and he gets his back taken all the time, we'll get that's how he's gotten choked out. And he still didn't learn from it, despite being an, you know, a regionally accoladed Brazilian Jiu Jitsu brown belt. And, you know, almost, you know, Lee, Lang, Lee G. Lang almost got him. Um, hell, I think Damian Brown almost took his back. And even these guys didn't, you know, act on it. It's there. And, you know, Drew Dober, can he win by submission? Sure. Um, but you know, that's not his forte. Is he a demon-like back taker? Obviously, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not guessing, right? I'm not saying that. But turtling and tripoding also allows them to get them strong punches on you, right? You know, um, I want to say, uh, what is it? Mike Brown and, uh, what do you finish? WEC. I don't know. There's plenty of, you know, that punching under the arm. Henderson Fedor. There's a better one. You know, you turtle up for that, you turtle for that split second and, uh, boom. You know, there's an extra shot or two, which you don't want to be giving. And Dober can crack. He's really been coming into his own, uh, recently. You know, Forget the opponents and, and, and the circumstances. Just just kind of look at it for what he's doing in comparison to what he was doing, and there's improvements there. He's moving in and out better. You know, he used to fight like a like he was uh, on a spigot, you know, and just his, uh, you know, his arms would go left or right, and then his head would just kind of stay on center. And now he's a little more, he's much more aware of it. Even in a post-fight interview where he knocks the guy out, you know, the, the replay's playing, tell us how good your work was. And he's, he criticizes his own work. Little not, no, no, uh, notes like that speak loudly to me. Uh, tells me that you know, the guy's try, trying to actively improve and get better. And, uh, and it shows, you know, he's in that, 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 that nice little bubble there in Denver of just that melting pot of, of talent they got going on. The Elevation Fight Team and Company. Um, so as far as you know, fight to fight trends, I, I side with Dober there, and and it was hard because Camacho doesn't face a lot of southpaws, so that's obviously the first thing I would look for uh, in a matchup where you have a southpaw versus orthodox. I'm generally going to start my tape study by looking at what the orthodox fighter does does because even if I'm not familiar with the southpaw fighter, I'm studying him for. The southpaw weapons are pretty key. There's always three key ones, check hook, left cross, and left kicks. Um, and as a southpaw myself, perhaps maybe I'm speaking a little too bully there because as a southpaw myself, maybe it's a little easier for me to kind of watch an orthodox fighter and, and, and start seeing openings. So maybe it's unfair for me to speak, but just a general rule of thumb for those of you out there because I do get these questions. That is something to look for when you're doing a study for a fighter that's facing a southpaw fighter. Well, when you look at their southpaw sample size, look how they're, they're reacting, even if the guy's a shitty cross or a shitty check hook or a shitty liver kick or left head kick or whatever you want to watch how they react to those and stuff you know 
could be helpful. It's not an end-all, be-all. Guys tend to get better, right? But the point was when doing that for Frank Camacho, it was interesting. Though you look at his recent fight with Li Ji Liang, or you know, you go to his regional fights against a guy who's in the UFC. One of the more actually better, you know, Japanese or Asian fighters out there, Kasuya Yasuki, who fights at lightweight, five eight or five nine or so lightweight, but uh, who who choked out Camacho as well and beat him. But uh, on the feet. Both guys, Li, Li, Li Jingliang and Kasuya, at certain points of their match, they switched to southpaw, and both of them literally lit Frank up with everything they threw, almost everything they threw from that stance. Um, Kasuya actually got tagged after like landing about ten on Frank because he just got greedy and hung in there, and Frank's got a chin, and you know how it goes. He he takes like five, but he'll wing back with those hooks, and you're in trouble if you're if you're there when they land. Um, and that's what happened to Kasuya, and it wasn't that bad. Kasuya obviously came back to win and choke him out. But the point was, every time I saw Frank against a southpaw stance, it worked. Um, so I got to imagine against an actual southpaw who's an actual striker, uh, a striker first. Um, you know, we could see that here. So Frank's gonna have to rely on his ground game, but Dober. Uh, underrated wrestling, and he has improved that, you know. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see Dober score takedowns for point scoring purposes uh, himself. He's, he's known to do that, and Camacho, not really that strong off his back. I mean, he can create a scramble, but if Dober gets a takedown, that still scores. And what is projected to be close rounds, right? Slugfest. I mean, if you're taking the shot on Camacho, I don't blame you. He's one of the nicest dudes in the world. Island, island boy, Guam, Guamanian, Chamorro. You know, I can't help. I can't. I can't help but feel feel good for that guy. You know, um, I won't be mad at it. That's for damn sure. But the pick is Dober because I have to make a pick. All right, next fight: Jordan Rinaldi plus four thirty-five. Gregor Gillespie minus five seventy. Uh, again, inflated fight here. That was the other one I was talking about. But I get it. You know, Gregor Gillespie is a prospect and a prospect for a reason. I compare him more to the aggressive Frankie Edgar. Right. Oh, by the way, Drew Dober fought a guy named Nick Nolte in Bellator, right? which is pretty awesome, right? I mean, he fought fucking Nick Nolte, 48 hours, right? All right, Nick, I fought Drew Dober in Bellator. Yeah, it was a good fight. Yeah, gravel smoothie. <laughs> sorry. He fought a guy named Nick Nolte. Dan, sorry, Dan Tom has to fucking interject some of his movie wackiness in here. Anyway, Jordan Rinaldi and Gregor Zosby. Yeah, aggressive Frankie Edgar. Um... And it, it, this is a deceptive one. I, I put Gregor by decision. Uh, I'm, I, 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 I even... Uh, I mean, actually... Did I? No, it didn't it, it didn't make my article, but the only other prop that I played that wasn't on my article was this. It was Gregor Gillespie by decision. It was only plus 102 when I, when I got it yesterday or last night. I just sprinkled a, a half unit on that. Um, the next plays are all in the main event here. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, Gillespie's deserved favorite. I think it's going to be a decision because Rinaldi's deceptive on the ground. And even though I think Gillespie is maybe even better than some think because just how he transitions on the ground. Like I talk about this all the time. Like what separates a lot of these wrestlers from becoming great grapplers. Well, why don't, if a wrestler just learned jujitsu, he'd be unstoppable. And wrestlers have learned jujitsu and everybody's kind of learned everything. So it's kind of made that statement and those proclamations go away. But on a certain certain level, they it still exists where a lot of these guys should be better than they should in a sense of 
or they could be better than, than they are, I should say. That's a better way to phrase that. And a lot of the times what you see is when a wrestler is not afraid to put his hooks in, as a huge sign. Um, you, you have to put your hooks in and go for mounts. Mount, you know, is, is becoming an increasingly unsafe position. Uh, although going back, going for a back is is a good time to put your hooks in. You know, uh, sorry, hooks in for the back, but even even stepping over to a mount, I should say, because uh, both those things, wrestlers are, if we're going by stereotypes, reluctant to do. But when you see guys, you know, even though Mike Chandler got away from it for a little bit, um, and, 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 you know, you saw him back to a grappling heavily, heavy approach it back at Bellator 182 this last week. But you saw him when he was coming up through the ranks. Um, and again, it was just, you know, we share the same grappling coach. So I think a lot of that has to go to credit to Neil Melanson, who, you know, you know works with these guys, work with Kamaro coming into the UFC and all these other guys. And... But when you see a wrestler take the back, it's just really impressive, and it just tells you that, okay, this guy is really committing to the art. He's really committing to things. And Gregor has is, is been that way from his, you know, ring of combat days on the regional scene to, to now. Um, so it's just really, you know, being able to you know, fucking around and being able to finish head and arms from funny positions and stuff. Like, you could really tell he's really getting a hang on the game and then working intensely on his stand-up, too, at the same time. And making improvements, he wasn't just saying that in post-fight speeches. I mean, he, he shows it. Um, just that kind of faint hook, the changing levels and the hook that he throws. It was just, it was so, so nice that, you know, yeah, I know uh, Andrew Holbrook is, is chinny. But, but again, you have to a certain point, you have to mute that, you know, because a guy, it's not his fault he's facing a crappy guy. And that crappy guy can take away from your study, an accurate study of what the fighter you're studying is actually doing. You know, it shouldn't take away from that. Um, should it be factored in? Yeah, yeah, obviously you got to factor it in. But, but I mean, it shouldn't take away uh, from that. Um, and uh, so, I mean, he could clip Rinaldi because Rinaldi's not beyond being clipped, you know, from his regional scenes. Hell, go back to a Dennis Bermudez fight. He gets clipped and dropped, I think, before he, he gets on Bermudez's back. Um, the dude's, you know, wins and losses, always getting clipped. And he got clipped in his last fight and didn't remember. To his defense, though, uh, Joe and the replay didn't catch it, but... And I didn't catch it myself, but on this last watch, it looks like uh, Ronaldi ran into like a headbutt uh, for Alvaro Herrera, and that's what caused him to go, well. Um, not that he would made that noise, because he's not uh, delirious Dan Tom, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. Gregor Gillespie by decision. All right, co-main event time, Andre Feely plus 135, Dennis Bermudez minus 155. Bermudez is the deserved favorite, and this would be a normally spot where I play Bermudez, because... You know, if you listen to Dan Tom or read his breakdowns uh, over the years, it's it's I've been a staunch defender of Bermudez. You know, I'm not a you know a truth denier or whatever about his chin because I think that's you know has kind of already made its case at this point. You know, I don't think you can condemn him as a fighter, take away from his other skills again, that fine line. But yeah, yes, yeah, I, I, I've never been one to deny that. Yeah, he certainly is not the best at taking a shot, right? Um, that being said, he's just one of those those multi-terrain terrain type of dudes man he can he can type of styles right he, he, he you know you fight with submission guys he can wrestle he can dirty box and knee and elbow and and and, and clench against the fence and do all the all the different spectrums of clinch fighting leg kicks punches hooks in and out movement fundamental footwork um what's not to fucking like he's in some of the best fights ever mac rice and jeremy stevens jesus christ Oh, uh, even I can't strain like that. It's not good, Dan. Your abdominal muscles aren't normal. Oh, I felt that. Ugh. 
Thanks, people, for, by the way, who's been wishing me well or sharing, uh, commiserating with their own hernia stories. Oh, my God. Is the right side of your body, by the way, supposed to pulse? I, I felt like my right side of my body was pulsing. I lifted up my shirt and I actually saw a, a pulse, like it was pulsing physically. It went away after, you know, 15 seconds, but... Yeah, okay, just hold on till Monday to end. Hold on, hold on, body, hold on. Anyways, Dennis Bermudez, I would usually pick him here for the reasons I just said. But if you read my breakdown, I actually went with Andre Feely for the upset. Um, and essentially, it's like, you know, if you're picking against Dennis Bermudez, I'm picking against him for the same reason if you want to just simplify it like that. Sure, but Feely is making uh, improvements to his credit. He's making fight-to-fight improvements, you know. He's he's getting in in, in in deceptively tough fights and um, having to learn on the job. You know, came in as a thirteen and one record, and it's and it's far from that now. The win loss win loss, but you know he's still young, and I think this is where he changed. He's still showing fight to fight improvements, and I believe that resurgence isn't just talk. Uh, you know, he's always in the gym and all the Instagram photos for all the team alpha male fighters I'm studying, even when he's not in fights and. Uh, even his wrestling, offensive and defensive, early on was underrated, and it's only gotten better. And it's going to need to be here. I think he can stymie a lot of Bermuda's offense. Will Bermuda still get him down? Of course. Bermuda's one of the best wrestlers that the division has to offer. But Bermuda does not be on letting guys control or scramble because he's such a wild guy um, as far as you know, ground and pound and whatnot. He's not exactly a submission guy, right? And Feely is one thing is really good at is, is, is creating scrambles. He's really composed in time. And you look at the Hawker and Diaz fight. Um, say what you will about the guy's timing or physique, but his grappling skill hasn't gone anywhere, and that's his strength. A positional, a, a, a positional grappler would be uh, Hawker and Diaz's definition. And even against a strong positional grappler like Hawker and Diaz, you know, Feely would wait for the mountain bridge at that right time. Again, bridging, right? How important it is to have a good bridge. Feely's got a good bridge. And that bridge is going to initiate a lot of scrambles. Scrambles that I see him having the advantage of, even if he's initiating him from the bottom against Bermudez. So I think he's going to have to work hard. And I think he's going to ultimately still probably be losing rounds for as long as the fight goes on. But essentially, Bermudez will be winning the fight till he isn't kind of sort of deal. That's, that's, that's how I feel. All right, main event time. Derek Brunson, minus 105 now. Oh, my goodness, minus 115. My, how the line has shifted. He was like plus 140 or plus 135 when I was breaking this fight down. It was the first fight that I broke down. I picked Brunson. Of course, I can't write. The reason why I say we articles and people are like, why are you up so early, Dan Tom? Well, aside from my sleeping schedule being kind of jacked up, um, I actually normally on my Thursdays and my Friday will kind of do that to myself anyways. Because my betting article is my fantasy article is attached to my betting article, and my betting article has to be written up with um, relevant numbers to the day it's being released. Since so the article's released on Friday, that means Dan Tommy's an extra early call time to make sure he's providing not just analysis and but analysis that's accurate to the numbers that are there. Because as you know, not only do the numbers change, but some change so drastically, drastically that I could be eyeballing it as a you know minus two hundred parlay piece or two forty parlay piece, and then it gets pushed to minus three three hundred. Okay, I could still do it. Ooh, it's minus three thirty come Thursday night, and by Friday morning, it's fucking minus five hundred. And now I either have the choice of giving you a minus five hundred. Oh wow, Dan, you're really going out on a limb there. Or giving you fake news, 
and putting a minus 300, putting outdated slash fake news on there for a person that's really might. So now it's inaccurate and not that um, uh, uh, enlightening or challenging or enticing or whatever, right? So that is the reason for that. Um, so yes, again, just a little peek behind the curtain to the lengths I go to to provide accuracy on all counts uh, for what it's worth. Even though, again, this is just a fucking entertainment piece at the end of the day. What are you going to do, right? Uh, I love it. I love it. I got it at Ross. And yeah, not Ross. Ronaldo Souza. There we go. Uh, you know, Souza, I believe he's pretty decent in Southpaws. I want to say he's like three and two off the top of my head. I just don't have it pulled up in front of me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I don't know if I pull it up. But yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, decent run against Southpaws throughout his career. Uh, it doesn't really matter because, you know, Sousa, Sousa leans on the right hand heavily. Um, and, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm spacing out here trying to flip through pages. But uh, that's why I don't look things up while I'm on the podcast. But, yeah, he he, he, le- he leans on the right hand mainly. Uh, you know, fainting once he gets a bite. You know, he'll counter you. He can come forward with it. It's very good with it. But, you know, as I say in my breakdown, which you can go to the details that I'll probably likely be skipping tired I want to get this out but uh essentially I feel like his timing is going is why I'm picking against Susie here he has more ways to win the fight on paper but his timing is going you know when I look at even before that Robert Whitaker fight it just doesn't feel like he's reacting to shots the same way or seeing him coming the same way if that makes sense and um I guess it does make sense right I mean he's 38 I mean, it's got to go sometime um, and I, and I, I, I love the, I, I love the dude, you know, it's, um, proved wrestling. Of course he can finish Brunson on the ground, but, and I don't want to be one of these guys, you know, trumping, blindly trumping stats because stats can be deceiving. Uh, and there are plenty of ways to get things to the ground beyond your traditional takedown. Hence a Damian Maya fight, right? But yes, Derek Brunson does have a hundred percent takedown defense rating. Um, you know, and, and he knows. You know, he listen to interviews with Brunson. He knows. He knows what what, what Jacare is uh, looking for, and Brunson's stand-up's gotten better. You know, training with 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 uh, Minutin Tall down in uh, Atlanta, or is uh, wow, or, or is Minute in North Carolina? I don't know. I think Minute's in Atlanta, but I don't know. There's a lot of cross training. A lot of those guys down south do. I know he works with Minute, but um, yeah, man. Uh, I, 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 you know. I I I just, I just I just see being in trouble. I see I see Brunson get, getting his knockout here, and um, I played him for plus one ten because of that for one unit. Uh, I actually played him at plus one thirty five, but again, the betting article when it came out, it was still dog money this morning plus one ten. Also took Derek Brunson in uh, my fantasy lineup. Um, by the way, uh, I'll, I'll do a recap. I know I skipped some of the fantasy lineups on there, and my only official prop. Aside from that uh, Gregor Gillespie personal sprinkle that you uh, you and uh, know about, um, official prop is a hedge, and I took Souza Brunson doesn't see round three because essentially Brunson is a do or die fighter. Uh, Souza can go to decision if he has to, and I guess so can Brunson, right? But traditionally, he's a do or die fighter. Uh, Souza's traditionally a guy that looks for the finish. So a guy that can finish more on paper and looks for the finish in Souza against a guy who comes out usually do or die, even if he's not coming out in a shield like the Robert Whitaker fight as dramatic, he still has a lot of do or die sensibilities to his style. 
And uh, either way, it's hard to see this going round three. And since it was minus 157, which is like a straight play territory as far as favorite stuff goes, I figure, you know what, let's put 1.75 units on it to make that unit back or add to it if Brunson wins. Um, but not a guaranteed hedge, obviously. It's a fucking prop and there's still three rounds to go that I could be wrong on there, right? But it, for me and for the way I see this matchup going, I think it's kind of a creative double angle. Maybe not a, a complete hedge. Obviously not a complete hedge. But let's just say maybe a double angle to play the fight. You know how that's how Dan, Dan Tom likes to pair a lot of his parlay or straight plays, at least, especially with, uh, with, with props when I do that. Because, you know? again, it's a madman's game no matter what you're betting here. You're, you're better off betting things straight than a prop. But I'm a degenerate. I like props. You like props. So why not have an entertaining article that offers my suggestions? Uh, all right, recap. Gregor Gillespie, top of the fantasy list. Uh, Nico Followed by Nico Price, Corey Sanhagen, and then the last three are dogs. Derek Brunson, Eric Koch, who I didn't mention before I went with. Again, that, that's how much I was so troubled. Um, even though I didn't pick Koch, I picked him here, right, for the fantasy. He is a live dog, and if he's going to win, it would probably be big. Uh, Andre Feely, because if he wins, it's definitely going to be big. Uh, he rounds off the list. And for $49,900, one parlay piece, which is Justin Keish, minus 180 props, unofficial Gregor Gillespie, plus 102, half a unit, official Souza Brunson won't see, round three, minus 157, 1.75 units, and straight play Derek Brunson, one unit, fights to avoid Drew Dober versus Frank Camacho, Eric Koch, Bobby Green, Mirsad Bektik versus Gogofredo Pepe, Vince Bichel versus Joaquim Silva. Um, all right, uh, I'm going to get out of here. I just want to give some quick shouts and thank yous. Uh, thanks to everybody who rates and reviews us on iTunes. I know I say this every week, but uh, I, will, I will read you off at another time. There's no time. <laughs> thank you, though. Same with the Amazon and Onnit click-throughs. I do have you written down here. We will get you shout-out at the appropriate time. I promise. And also, for those who help me behind the scenes with DraftKings, and you know, uh, I want you know, usual guest here, uh, Jordan. We gotta get, gotta get him back on. Maybe I'll try to get him back on for the Australia show, two twenty one, or the number of events, or something like that. But Jordan Fiegelman at Ordination, and uh, just a lot of the other, you know, uh, just community members, fantasy guys, and and and, and stuff like that I've been you know t- talking to. Uh, Recently, sorry, I'm not speaking into the mic looking down. Uh, a man, Sun Tzu, who, who invited me to be a part of a, the fantasy league. And I always feel bad because I, I, I have to say, like, a blanket no, especially this for the first quarter with everything going on, that I'm going to have to kind of stick to this. Like, Dan Tom is so busy that I have to blanket no things. And I feel like I'm an asshole. Like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm there. And it's so not like that. Not that he thinks that or, or anybody does, but hopefully people don't. And if they do, I apologize. That is not how it's meant. Dan Tom is not just a whiny bitch, but he actually really is that busy, as he says. And, um, you know, there's just very little time. Uh, uh, and, and, and I'm very disorganized <laughs> when it comes to a lot of things, obviously. So it's very tough. So I get, I get these, these, these lot of events. And so, uh, you know, at Sun Tzu is a guy who always kind of, uh, always gives me kind shouts and, and thinks about me for things. So I just wanted to make sure to give him a shout. Uh, and people in the MMA community go follow him. Uh, Chris Cash at Cash, uh, oh gosh, DPT7. 
shout to him. Shouts to the Loaded Joe's podcast community. I already gave shouts to Hal Blue and Showtime from Junkie Nation. But hey, shout out to Junkie Nation, man. Always great to hear from you guys. Um, you know, whether whether it's uh, Ben from New Zealand or uh, who was it? Oh, Don Chow today. I mean, you know, I don't want to just pick out the guys who called them with nice things to say about me. I'm not trying to bait that. I don't. You don't. You don't need to be doing that. But, but just. It was really unexpected, and thank you guys. It really means nice to be welcome in this community, you know, um, a community that I've been a part of myself, but, you know, being welcomed from the other side means a lot because, again, I'm just like you guys. I'm just a fan. I'm, a, I'm an MMA junkie. I can't get enough of this shit as much as I complain about <laughs> too many shows. I can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm, who, who the fuck am I kidding? So thank you all. Uh, appreciate it. Good luck on your picks and plays this weekend. Enjoy the fights. Hopefully Bellator was well if you enjoyed that. Enjoy UFC Charlotte. Good luck on your picks and plays. And as always, protect your neck.